every relationship shines a light for us to see ourselves more closely. And I think oftentimes people start a relationship without knowing those things about themselves or even knowing what they want. And before they know it, they're in a situation they're like, how did I get here? So then they often blame it about the person that they're in the relationship with. This is a life-changing wisdom, if you accept it, that there is only me and the light of the Creator, which means everything else that is in my life is meant to help me grow, change, and become a better person. The first step is really to connect to that goodness and you recognize it, know that you're lovable, know that you are destined for greatness simply because you exist. And then from that space, then you're able to see everything as a gift. But it's such an important fundamental first step. The way to fix challenging relationships, the way to clear ourselves of scars and anger and disappointment is to go inside. Welcome to the Spiritually Hungry Podcast, episode 22. So you guys asked for it by uh, unanimous demand. You want to hear about relationships, and we are excited to talk about it. I think it's interesting because we got this question quite a bit or that, like to talk about this topic, which is what can you learn from bad relationships? So I guess I have a problem just with the and question. How to deal with challenging relationships as well. Yeah, but it was specifically bad relationships. And I think it's an interesting question because often the way things are asked, it's it shows you where your thoughts are in it about relationships. So I don't think that there are um, any bad relationships. Of course, there are unsuccessful ones. There might be difficult ones. There might even be abusive ones. However, I think that if you label it as bad, then it stops you from learning from it, from growing from it, and um, seeing it as a gift. So I think that the first thing, and and then I want to hear what you have to say, of course. I think the first thing is that every relationship shines a light for us to see ourselves more closely, take a greater look at, you know, how giving am I in relationships? Where is my kindness? Um, do I know who I am? Am I authentic? Do I know my voice? Do I stand up for myself? Do I know what I want? And I think oftentimes people start a relationship without knowing those things about themselves or even knowing what they want. And before they know it, they're in a situation they're like, how did I get here? So then they often blame it about the person that they're in the relationship with. Yeah, interesting. So we were kind of reticent to to take on this topic because we like to talk about the happier, happy, good, <laughs> the happier sides of relationships. But if you think about it, the reality is you and I, every single one of our listeners, has had challenging relationships often with family members, people at work. Everybody has challenging relationships. And uh, but I want to say one thing, though. I think that the understanding or the expectation or the hope is that when it comes to romantic relationships, yes. it's going to be like we see in the movies, you know, um, Bridget Jones. Well, no, the part that, because in the movies, for the most part, unless you're watching a drama, if you're watching a romantic comedy, you're seeing how they fell in love. And it's that euphoric stage that they're in, where their endorphins are going, their... Um, Hormones, you know, what, what is the hormone that uh, produces stress, but also um, is responsible for that feeling that we have? It will come to me. The feelings of butterflies in our stomach. So that's the part of the movie that you see. And people naively think that that is what the relationship needs to look like right. forever, or somehow it's not a good relationship. Yes. And I think it's interesting. We'll touch upon really both types of relationships. There is the the romantic relationships and all, hopefully everything we speak about also will apply to that. But also it's not coincidental. It's cortisol. That's cortisol. the uh, hormone. That I we're, as we're, you know, here in the United States, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving next week. Well, this year, a little bit different than others. Probably less people will be with their families. People will be with their families. And often that brings up all kinds of, of history and challenging relationships. 
and um, and so we'll talk about relationships. Some of it will apply to romantic relationships. Some of it will apply to familiar relationships. Some of it will apply to our friendships and and uh, and other relationships. But I the first thought, the first spiritual thought that I have as it relates to relationships and specifically to either challenging relationships or relationships when they are in a challenging state is a teaching from the founder of the Kabbalah Center, the great Kabbalist, Rabbi Yehud Ashlag. And he said something that for me is one of my driving teachings in life and especially, especially when challenges come up with people external, I think about this. And he says the following statement, which I want to I want to elaborate on because it's really important, I believe, for every single one of us to live with this teaching. And he says that you have to know that there is only you and the light of the Creator. Nothing else exists. There's just you and the light of the so Creator. So you're going to go deep, fast. Yes, I, yes. <laughs> uh, because, because I think, and again, and, I, and hopefully you'll, you'll help me, but, but really uh, unpack this idea because... I don't think one can be receiving from all the relationships that we have in our lives what we're meant to receive from them unless we are living with this thought, with this consciousness. But let's explain a little bit what that mm -hmm. means. I'm sitting here right now. Those of us who are watching on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram, you see that Monica and I are sitting across from each other. There's a window behind us. There's a room around us. There's trees over there, and there's people in the room. And as we go throughout our day, we interact with many, many people, things, places. The spiritual view is that there's a perfect system for me. And my perfect system is everything that comes into my life, everything that exits from my life, everything that occurs in my day, everything that surrounds me is for one purpose, only one purpose, ultimately for my benefit. What does that mean? Again, to become the better person that I'm meant to be all the time, to elevate, to grow, to change, there are going to have to be people that enter into my life that bring challenges to me, because by overcoming them, I grow, and so on and so forth. But that understanding, that I am living within a perfect matrix, between, within a perfect world that is designed perfectly just for me. So my interaction with you is really, in some way, meant to elevate me. My interaction with this person who pushes my buttons, the only reason I am interacting... Now, it doesn't, by the way, negate the, the, the goodness or badness of that person's behavior. This person, might, might, in his or her assessment on themselves, they might say, oh my goodness, I really treated Michael badly today. But that has nothing to do with my assessment of that interaction and my understanding of what is happening in my life. Yes. I, mean, I, I, want, to make sure, I want to make sure that's clear, because I know this, kind of, this is a, a deep... Um, uh, understanding because you're trying to take people though from this place of um, this bad thing happened to me this bad relationship and all the things that come along with it I'm undeserving um, other people have better relationships I'm never lucky in love and it should be this perfect thing that I've now visualized in my mind too no matter who you encounter and by the way obviously we have the same opinion but who you come across and what you encounter it's all set up for your greatest good to help you get the most out of life so we really need to walk people from that first picture i just made for you to this idea of and by the way when i right before we recorded this right i was driving this guy um cut me off 
I did honk, but not angrily. <laughs> and uh, and then he started cursing me out. And then when we stopped at light, he continued whatever. In that moment though, because it was so extreme, I was able to just watch and be like, okay, that's fine. This I need to see this as a reminder of never to become that. And I wasn't judging him, but for me, it was like really, like this is not, I'm watching a movie because I wasn't, it didn't penetrate anything with me, right? So of course we can get there, but I, I really do want to bring this idea that we're talking about to romantic relationships. Because if you look at somebody who, and we know somebody very close to me who's just been in an abusive relationship, right? And, and it, it didn't start that way, but at the end of this two-year relationship, that's how it ended. So how do you, so what advice do you tell that person then? Because if they've been um, in a few failed relationships, a failed marriage, and then another relationship that ended up being abusive, so how do you get them to that consciousness? Well, again, so, I mean, that, that's a lot, right? But obviously, none of this is meant to say that if one is finds themselves in an abusive relationship, they remain there. Of course not. And obviously, when we talk about abuse, there's a range of that, and there's some of them that are criminal, and one should run to the police. But <laughs> but I'm talking about the other 99% of interactions. And you, a person might even see them as abusive. Again, I, I've met many people in 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 um, in this, you know, teaching and, and and assisting people to develop that have a lot of negative. This is me, and I, I I think I might have shared this. I remember I met somebody who was a very, very successful business person, very successful in life. He had a family. He, When I was talking to him about this, he was in his 70s already. He has since passed. And the focus of his conversation was the fact that his father, now, so right, we're going back 50, 60 years ago, never believed in him mm-hmm. and spoke badly to him, abused him in some way, right? It wasn't terrible abuse, right, to be clear, but it was in his emotional mind, abuse, or, emotional mm-hmm. abuse and verbal abuse. And I remember as I'm sitting there, many thoughts came to mind. One of this is, wow. And I'm sure many of our listeners, in one degree or another, are have an element of this. That, you know, our parents have so much influence. Not just from the years of 0 to 18, 21, but really for the rest of our lives. And this was one example of many we encountered. But my advice always is, if you have this view, which is, why was I born to these parents? Again, you have to have a, a, a belief in in the perfect system, of course, and that takes you know spiritual work. And I want to talk about that a little bit. But this is my view, and it certainly helps me navigate the challenging relationships. Why were you born to these parents? So the spiritual view is because my soul and each one of us is different. Needed to go through that process. Needed to have a father who didn't believe in me. Why? Maybe so I can develop my own belief in myself, and so on and so forth. Each this this by the way, the, the one thing I was a little bit reticent about sharing because this is not a formula like our listeners can hear this and say, okay, I heard it now my life is better. This actually leads Requires to great work, a lot of work, yes, great work to really look inside and really ascertain what are my scars from the past, or even maybe my challenges from the present. How am I meant to grow from there? What am I meant to learn? How am I meant to change? But it all begins, and, I, and I'll keep stressing this, because this is a life-changing wisdom, if you accept it, that there is only me and the light of the Creator, which means everything else that is in my life is meant to help me grow, change, and become a better person. And I some, think, sorry. I think a way to help people get there, and certainly this is what I applied when I started studying Kabbalah when I was 17, 
was that when you talk about the creator, right, for people who don't have that intimate relationship yet, right, with the creator, it feels almost removed, right? Maybe a little bit foreign, something that you you look up to, to pray, something above, something intangible, right? But if you look at it this way, that our spirit, right, our soul, our source, our energy source comes from the creator, and that goodness within us is the same energy as the creator, then the first place to really start before you can um, cleave in that way is to awaken that part of you through action, right? Through being day to day. And when you awaken that, right? When you connect to your soul, to the goodness of your soul, and you act in accordance to that, then you're able to feel, connect, tap into something higher. And then when you're in that space, then anything that happens to you happens through you because now you're able to actually be more elevated as well. You're able to take a higher level perspective. That's always helped me. That's interesting. I mean, so now we're veering a little bit off topic too, but I think it is a very important understanding. And that is when when I say creator, I don't mean the guy in the sky, right? We, the we, guy in the sky. <laughs> we, we, we believe that there is, not just we, science believes that there is energy around us. An energy force. And, and, like you said, most of us who are more in touch with our soul, our spirit, our internal goodness. energy, mm-hmm. goodness, light, we know that there is something beyond the flesh, beyond the body. And then the next question would be, well, where does that come from? Well, obviously, it's probably coming from a source greater than than what is tangible. And I do believe a lot of our listeners are, are either there or in the process of getting there. But I think what you said is really uh, a beautiful and important uh, a way to awaken that, right? Like you said, get in touch with the goodness or the soul, the spirit that you have within you, and and ask yourself the question, or maybe more importantly, say to yourself, "Well, I do believe in my goodness, power, soul." Well, that's yes. my point. Not everybody believes in it, and so that's why when they find themselves in difficult relationships, situations, challenges, then they're not able to make this connection. And that's why I wanted to break it down. So the first step is really to connect to that goodness and you recognize it, know that you're lovable, know that you are destined for greatness simply because you exist. And then from that space, then you're able to see everything as a gift. But it's such an important fundamental first step. And it's interesting because I had a conversation this week with somebody um, who I actually hadn't met before. And uh, it was an interesting conversation. We we're talking about many different things. And uh, we got on the topic of spirituality. And she said, well, I don't believe in that word. And, you know, my ears kind of perked up because I, I certainly do very much believe in that world. And I said, and I was curious. I thought maybe we just have different definitions of it. So her understanding is that we all come from spirit and therefore naturally everything that we do is good, is for our greatest good. And and uh, that's why you don't need to study something like spirituality because naturally you are spirit. If that's true, that's great. But, I, but, I, but my point was that very often people make choices and do things in life that take them very far away from their spirit. And our responsibility, if we want to have the life we all desire, is to reawaken that aspect of ourselves, right? So, and again, I'm bringing this up because I think that is in line with what we're saying, to, to connect to that energy force is to really awaken that within you. And that means that you act with the better parts of yourself in every situation, even in difficult relationships. Right. And what I'm adding is that is that the view, as you hopefully take the time to ask this question, why am I encountering this person in my life? Why did my parents behave in this way? Why did my father speak to me in that way? Why did my mother not believe? Whatever those... The narrative is. The, 
narrative again again by the way that's a whole it might not be true but let's assume it is true why well if it's a because if it's a story if the same story keeps happening right it was your mother and your father then it was your first boyfriend or girlfriend and then it was your teacher then that become right because you're not actually looking to say okay what's the opportunity here and then we can bring in tikkun in that idea too right because if you if you keep running away from a situation that keeps coming back up for you over and over again then i think it would behoove you to stop and say okay why does this keep why does this energy why does the situation keep following me around is there something i'm supposed to be learning from this absolutely and i think i don't want to quickly pass over something very fundamental that you just said which is a spiritual law that is that unless you learn the lessons from those relationships that you're meant to learn it will keep happening in that relationship and then the next one and then the next one and the one after that and if for no other reason it's important to take the time to delve deeply into yourself and into the reasons for those experiences in formative and other relationships. It's just because you don't want to have it keep happening. And I think what you just said, again, also, another the other part of that which is so important is ask yourself the question, what are the disappointments that I keep having? What are the upsets that I keep having in my relationships? And then it must mean, if you're logical about it, that it can't be all of them, right? I I remember one of my one of my favorite jokes. Uh, um, this guy is is uh, is on the phone with his wife, and he's driving down the highway, and his wife said, "Where are you? You know, what highway?" And he tells him, "You know, I'm, I'm on the I-95." He says, she, "His wife tells him, be careful. There's a man driving the wrong way." And, and the guy says, not one man, they're all driving yeah, the wrong yeah. way. <laughs> right? And the point is, obviously, he was the one driving the wrong way on the highway. I don't think and, I heard that one before. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> thank you. That wasn't a real laugh, but okay. Well, uh, yeah. it was a supportive laugh. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Because it's less of a joke, more of a, of uh, of a lesson. Right. Because the point is this. <clears throat> it, it, could it be possible that it wasn't your father, your mother, your first boyfriend, your second boyfriend, your first husband, your first child, who are all doing the same thing to you and they're all wrong? Maybe there's actually something that you need to grow from and to change. Not an easy conversation to have with yourself, but necessary. Yes. And I think that's really the focus. If we talk about the benefit of challenging relationships, why is it coming to my life? I need to get better. And this is, by the way, this, this is not a, a, an asset, a negative assessment of any one of us. I need to become better. You need to become better. And one of the most powerful, beautiful ways that, that this can happen is the people we love and some of them that we don't come into our lives to point and say... Well, it's interesting. Just right before we recorded this, right, I said to you, you know, um, two things happened this week, one day, and then the next, right? So it wasn't just all in one day. And it's it just, it, and again, if, and I, I'm trained myself enough that if something's coming up a few times in a week, or even at once, I'm going to pay attention. And I said to you, you know, I know this isn't real. It's, it's an old movie. It's a familiar thing. It's like a residue of something I've really worked on, but clearly there's residue there, right? So even when you work on your tikkun, you work on these areas. Tikkun again, meaning the correction, what you came to correct, I'm not sure all of our listeners. Right. Yeah. Um, it's going to, uh, you're going to, still going to get opportunities. And slowly, 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 it chips away. And eventually, it might be gone. But I mean, it, it's just, it makes me laugh a little bit when it comes up again, right? You think you've come so far. And, and which, then, again, and again, to give you, again, I was going to say, not, you know, to, to give you a compliment, I think what you do, which is really important, is that you talk about it. You talk about it with me often, talk about it within yourself. There's no chance of that going away 
without that right. either internal dialogue or, at least, or with somebody you trust and, and love. Well, first awareness. And then my point of talking about it to myself and then to you very often is that like, this is not really, I'm not taking this seriously. I'm going to take this, that I need to change it, but I'm not going to take this thing that happened seriously because I'm so aware that it's just not really real. It's just completely set up for me to get over it completely, which I, and that's what I love, right? That I feel really empowered by that process. Absolutely. And now again, a little bit of a tangent, but I think it is important for our listeners. So this, um, this past week I was in, in London with, with friends of ours who are very much involved in, in spiritual study, pursued becoming better. And they as well have these conversations that we have, which we're really um, uh, asking our all of our listeners to really focus on. And as an aside, besides the fact that unless you're doing this... By the way, I think that's one of the most comforting and powerful thing about a relationship. If I think about it, it's that aspect of it, right? To be able to talk about everything, but more importantly, to talk about the things that most people try to hide about themselves. Right. So, And that was, that was exactly my point. Oh, sorry, read your mind. Yes, you did. <laughs> one, one of the reasons why I enjoy our relationship so much, and I was actually pointing this out to this other couple, which I was speaking to this past week, is that so much of their conversation, which I, I wonder, and again, you know, sometimes we have views into other couples' relationships, and one of the most beautiful things about a spiritual relationship is that you are both desiring to become better and to grow. Mm. And the conversations you have are these type of mm -hmm. conversations. This happened to me and how do I grow from it and so on. I think it makes the relationship so much more interesting. And fun, by the way. Fun and more importantly, growing. Yeah. But I, I think it's such an important point. Again, for those of our listeners who are in a relationship, I strongly, strongly recommend uh, to, to develop th this conversation. Right? For those who are not in a relationship, I strongly recommend developing this internal dialogue with yourself and maybe close friends. But but for relationships, it's a very beautiful and, and deep way to grow uh, your relationship. And the thing is, for people to get there, um, just to go back to the first idea is really, you know, these relationships, again, they're, they're mirrors. So I think for a lot of people, it shines a, a strong light on how did they really first begin to become true to themselves? Because that you have to do. And then, by the way, if I wasn't true to me, I could never be true to you. It just would be impossible. How could I admit things to you that I wouldn't first admit or know about myself? So I think that there are five questions that are really important for each person to ask themselves. You write this down. <laughs> I think you kind of know yourself. We've okay. gone through this. I mean, when we were first together, you were not, I don't think, very emotionally intelligent with yourself. Um, and therefore, I'm I... Happy. It's funny. Today, our, our uh, second oldest son, Josh, asked me, says, he calls me Abba, father in Hebrew. He says, Abba, are you happy all the time? Said, oh, because yeah. you were singing up a storm this morning. I was like, um, and I, I hadn't worked out yet. And I was, I was like, oh my, it's a little bit yeah, too much. Yes. No, first I appreciated. I was like, oh God, I just, I love that about him. I'm so not that person, but it's <laughs> contagious. Like you've made me a happier person through our marriage oh, just by, because it's your nature. So I've like elevated my baseline of happiness just through you, which is, really, thank you. Awesome. But it was a little bit too much this morning <laughs> yeah. before my workout. I can't promise I'm going to tap that down. So that's probably but, when he asked you, right? He asked me, uh, well, he asked me this afternoon. And they were singing like zippity-doo-dah or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yes, I try, right? I mean, yeah. So I'm not sure. I didn't think you had to try that much. You were yeah. genuinely happy yes. about making yes. a salad. Yes. Um, okay. So these are the five questions. Do you know what you want? Two, can you make yourself happy? Which I think is a really important question and necessary thing to be able to do. Three, do you know what excites you? Four, what do you dread? 
And five, when you make decisions, what are they based on? Is it based on outside information, comfort, deep self-awareness, or what takes the least amount of effort? And 100%. I think that having... And, I hope we didn't go over them too quickly. I hope our listeners took notes and... Uh, well, there's rewind, right? I can, yes. I can read them again Make if you want. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that if you can't answer those questions, um, I would ask them of myself every single day until I could and also make sure you're answering them honestly because if you know yourself so intimately in that way then that will inform every other relationship you have or will have and I think and what you're saying is really important which is that often the reason other people upset us challenge us disappoint us is because we're not doing for ourselves what we're hoping they'll do for us and 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 so the expectation you have going into relationship yeah. is impossible. There's actually actually there's a book called The Tools, which is a very interesting book, and they say that is that and I like this phrase. I, I hope I get it right. They said you have to always make sure that your life is greater than your relationship. Mm, right? I love that because what happens too often, and this could be by the relationship between between daughter and mother, between husband and wife, between friends, where there is such an expectation and need. That they fill my life. That they complete you. They complete you. They make you. They do everything. Right. And 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 if that's if you ever and to the degree that you have either an expectation or desire or need for that, those relationships can't. Well, that creates codependency. And at the end, you're never fulfilled because nobody can offer all of those things to you. It's impossible, and it's also just not fair. Which is a really interesting idea. Which is that you might be either with your father, mother brothers, sister, wife, husband, child, there can be the groundwork for an amazing relationship. But because you put too much weight on what you expect them to, to do for you, that you can't let the, 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 the true essence of that relationship become what it's meant to become, which can be an amazing relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's another thing, and I, I think that, you know, I love bringing in psychology also. I think this is really helpful for people to check themselves, right? So let's say you have a confrontation, you have an issue in any relationship, but let's say romantic, and now you've broken up and it's all their fault, right? It's all about them. By the way, it's none of you say it's never all their fault. <laughs> Ever. Um, but there's something called hindsight bias. And I think I've spoken about it before, but there's three ways that we do this. One is memory uh, desertion, which is I said it would happen, right? So the, when the relationship ends, I said it would happen. I always knew it was going to happen. So zero uh, responsibility. You don't have to go back and think about it. What didn't work? When did it fall apart? What was my responsibility in it? The second is inevitability, meaning it had to happen. And the last is foreseeability. I knew it would happen. So when a relationship ends, if you're able to actually go back and unpack it and say, okay, was it really always that great? Or is that I'm just remembering that one good trip we had when we went to Florida together? Were there other signs along the way? How did I act in the relationship? And if you go back to those five questions I brought up, right? What part of yourself did you allow to really be revealed and be seen? You'll be able to walk away from that relationship and say, okay, well, I've learned invaluable things from that experience about myself, about what I desire, about who I want to share with my, my life with, and I'm going to take that into the next relationship. It's interesting. And, and unfortunately, we have seen relationships that end either in divorce or separation. And very often, both sides, or at least one, is 100% sure that they were married to the devil. Yeah. And they did nothing wrong. They were an angel. And unfortunately, what happens then is that they don't learn or grow, and therefore the next relationship is similar or has its own 
uh, uh, pitfalls. Unless you're growing, again, and this is certainly in romantic relationships, but in every relationship, it's it's always going to keep repeating. It's always going to have to come back into you so that you can change and grow from it finally. Well, you know what's interesting, too, is that I hear this um, explanation a lot. They'll say, you know, I don't know what happened. That person um, changed. They, no, or they had mental issues oh. I wasn't aware about. But the, the flaw in that is, again, besides everything we said, is that... Again, to the exclusion of the 1% time yes, the person... Yes, yes. But I yeah. heard this one a lot, yeah. is that what it creates is a distrust in yourself to make good choices. Interesting. So then in the next time, oh, I don't know, I'm afraid, or now I don't want to commit, or I never want to get married again because of that one experience when... Were you really fooled? Is that person all bad? Are you telling a new story now? Is it accurate, right? So I think that for so many reasons, it's important to really go back and look at every single step of the way and be honest with yourself. So the truth, again, just to underscore something we've said a few times, is that the way to fix challenging relationships, the way to clear ourselves of scars and anger and disappointment is to go inside, to really take the time and this is not, like I said before, this is not something you hear a podcast, you're inspired, done. This is literally the, the, the one thing we can really ask of our listeners is to really, especially on the important relationships you have in your life, parents, siblings, children, spouses, spouse, hopefully one spouse, and really look inside. When those relationships didn't go well, what were either my, again? It doesn't mean that I did something wrong. Let's say, let's say I have a in the case that I spoke about before. We have a child whose father never loved, or, or he experienced never having been loved. It's possible, but that still doesn't mean that there wasn't something that I was supposed to learn from that. I was supposed to grow from that. And unless you're doing that work, serious work, then you will remain with scars. You will remain with pain. You will remain with anger, and worse, you won't grow into the person you're meant to be. It's interesting because when you identify, again, that area, right, and you start to recognize the theme that keeps coming up with different people, I know for me now when I recognize it, right, I've identified, I think, what, what I mean, we have many different areas, but what an area of correction is for me, I am able to say, I'm actually more cautious. Like, I'll look at the situation and I'll say, okay, is it really about me? Is it really about them? Is it just their style of communication? I'm able to then remove myself a little bit and kind of watch it and say, okay, what's really going on here? Because now it's something that I've been paying attention to for years and years and years. And it's really like, you can't actually blame people and you can't ever be a victim in, in that way. And you can't um, even get too angry because it's just information. It's information you need, right? It's information you want to work with and then you can decide what to do with it. So it's really freeing and very empowering at the end of the day. Absolutely. I, I think we should get to the yeah, first we have, question. I yeah, think we, we, we have a ton of questions. To... And by the way, just so our listeners know, please keep sending in your questions because we do build the podcast around your questions, even if we don't actually get to read all of them. But let's well, we'll do many more on relationships. Yes. But um, I'm going to just read one question. If we have time for a second one, tell me. I, we will not have time for a second. Okay. So the question is, what does it mean, and how do I honor thy father and mother if my father and mother were abusive? Yes. So again, I want to. Make well, I, let's define because I, you know, the ten, abusive. No, oh. I, I just want to break. I want to start here because a lot of people, some have read the Bible, some don't, some believe in it, some don't. So, honoring my mother and my father, what does that really mean? And also, I got this question last week, and I answered it to somebody, but I want to hear your take. Is um, once you get married, how does that change? Also, so what is the responsibility of a child to a parent? Right, but before that, I just want to say to be clear: there's obviously certain levels of abuse 
that we're not going to talk about right. here, right? The extreme ones, sexual abuse, and otherwise that you know that that's require incarceration, that, so forth. Right, <laughs> but but we're talking about where I think so many people have had uh, interactions or a history with their parents where they believe or they they were right. They, they were verbally abusive, physically abusive, and sometimes. Um, I just remember hearing an interview recently with somebody who, whose father would, would would hit him a few times, and um, and he actually took it as a positive, whatever. Wow, why was it positive for him? Because it, it taught him, it taught him important lessons in life. I, I don't agree with this, obviously. Uh, confused. And, uh, yes, it is very confusing. <laughs> My point is, where we're focusing our our conversation, it's around where most people are with their parents, where the parents, again, even if they are 100% right, that they their parents did not treat them right. Their parents weren't there for them. Their parents yelled and so on and so forth. So honor thy father and thy mother. I, th- I think, and obviously, it's a biblical phrase, but but I do think that spiritually, we understand... Are you speaking now in healthy relationships? And then you're going to no, tell us about abuse. No, you're not, saying generally. I think this is general. And I think, and this is, again, we, we I have had many conversations with adults who, who have great scars from their parents' behavior towards them growing up. And one of the things that I hope our listeners go through as we delve inside is to heal those relationships. What does it mean to heal those relationships? Well, if you understand, if you've done the if you do the work to look inside and say, my father or my mother did the this one, two, and three, and they were wrong. None of this conversation makes any of their behavior okay. They should do their own internal work. But I needed to go through that. And I really get to a place where maybe because it makes me more caring and loving and there for my children, maybe because it opens me up to other people. Unless you find the growth, the benefit, dare I say the blessing in those challenging histories of relationships, especially with our parents, but with all people, then of course there can never be forgiveness. And that, forget about honor, you can't even love at times your parents. Well, it's interesting too, because I think that a lot of parents who aren't great ones and who are abusive came from some form of abuse and it's how they were parented, right? And I, I think that the what I always say is to spend a life harboring um, hatred, pain, um, blame, it only hurts you, one. Two, you can't change what happened. And three, you certainly can't change your parents. So what are your options? Either you choose not to have a relationship with them anymore, which is also painful because we've come from these people. And or, spiritually, we believe there's a connection that remains forever, regardless of of whether we are physically interacting with them or not, or even if they're physically in this world. Because, you've, because they created you. Right. Or you try to have empathy for them and uh, and love them anyway. Not that you have to necessarily have a relationship with them, a close one, or a friendship, or that it's ever going to be amazing, but it certainly is the best option. I, and I would say, I think that unless we have learned and grown from whatever pain they might have inflicted, it will be very difficult to forgive. It will be very difficult to actually have whatever level of relationship that we want to have with them. Well, I read uh, Demi Moore's book, Inside Inside Out, I think it's called. Anyway, it was a really, really good book. And she had a very difficult childhood. And her parents, it was very, a lot of turmoil, a lot of chaos. She wasn't parented. Um, but I was really inspired by 
how she grew from it and how she came to understand it. And ultimately she was there with her mother on her mother's deathbed, taking care of her and loving her because she was able to see the full cycle and of of her life, her mother's life, where she came from. And, and she wasn't a victim in it. And I think- And, and she the, really tried to look for purpose and meaning, right? Beautiful. I, I would add one word, as we, especially as we look back at relationships. I think the word is kindness, right? I think it's natural because we, if, if a person experienced negativity or even to the extreme of abuse, of course, it's difficult to look back in kindness. But as you said, maybe they grew up abused themselves. They, they didn't have the capability even to be loving and caring. To look back both, as we said first, what I can learn, and second, to look back in kindness. And I have found that the people who, are, who do those two things, who who learn and grow from it, even if the behavior was not proper. And forgive is a part of that. And therefore forgive. Right. I don't think you can get the forgiveness no, unless but, you've grown from it. But forgiveness is definitely a step in that. And then to look back in kindness and say, it wasn't right what he or she did, but I understand. But what does it mean to honor thy parents? No, I think it's just, it just to, to, to treat them well, to respect them. I mean, to do all the things that would come from So how do you respect somebody, somebody who, but you don't respect their actions? As we do that all, hopefully we do that all the time. Right? I mean, I respect myself. I don't respect all of my actions. I do things that are good. Hopefully, there's a lot more than things that I do that I shouldn't do. But but I respect myself because I know that every human being is made up of, of the positive and the negative. So so respect doesn't mean you know putting them on a pedestal. They were the no, most amazing. No, I guess it's human dignity. Father. It's 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 love. It's it's it's. And as I said, I really think, and I would strongly urge our listeners to look when you're looking back on those relationships, especially the important ones. Look back in kindness. So. To, before I'd like to ask you a question. Yeah. I'm assuming you didn't prepare one for me this week. Uh, you know what? I, <laughs> I think I, our listeners are following very sweetie, carefully. I can if, never divulge my secrets. Yes. Not I have a bag of uh, tricks. Questions. So my question to you is: In the recent uh, past, how did you? This would be a, a good story where you reacted in the right way towards a challenging, important relationship. Meaning, just, I hate yeah. being put on the spot. Okay, what was the question again? <laughs> right way I acted to a challenging relate um, behavior towards somebody you're, you're, you that is an important relationship. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think you helped me with this. So it's really just with somebody I'm, who's been in my life forever that uh, that I love deeply, and um, and there've been a lot of changes in her behavior and. And I've worked really hard to understand them and to have empathy and compassion. But then I find myself fluctuating in that because because she's inconsistent. And you know, that's one of my things, right? Consistency yep. is really big for me in relationships. And I'll accept anything pretty much as long as there's like kindness and loyalty. But the consistency thing is like, who's coming today, right? Who's Who's showing up? So that one's hard for me. So when I find this person to be inconsistent, then um, I don't feel as empathetic. I don't feel as compassionate, and um, and I don't feel like engaging. But what I, what the place that I got to, is that if I could constantly appreciate this person, because if you appreciate, then then you are consistent, right? So what I learned actually completely is that the thing that was bothering me about her inconsistency was making me be inconsistent towards her. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Ten points. So yeah. So I'm I'm practicing and, and that appreciation word, it's like a key. So whenever I start to feel myself like I'm like, wait a second, 
just appreciate that this person's in your life because you'd be devastated if they weren't. And that kind of puts everything in perspective. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Aren't you happy I asked? I'm sure our listeners are. And, and I have just, a question for you. Oh, okay. I'm not sure we have time for that. Oh, see, but okay, listeners. Go for it. Oh, yes. Go for it. What was an area of um, of your tikkun, of your correction that you have worked on? As it relates to relationships, I'm assuming you're asking. Whatever's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> can't promise it's going to be interesting. Well, if it's honest, I think it'll be interesting. I think that area, and we've had many conversations around this, where, and not not saying that this is easy, especially with friends, where your your relationship is all our relationship with friends, often family, is based on what they give to us, and I think that when you become so dependent, I'm speaking for myself, on what they give you in the relationship, and then they either disappoint or they stop behaving in that they way. They withhold, yeah. You, you, it's very, it can be very hurtful. Naturally so. But one of the things which I, I'm very happy with myself for is that I've been able, over these past 47 years, and more, most recently in the past few years, to get to a place where, you know, my, especially friendships, are based on, look, I, I, I love this person, I like this person, I'm going to give, but I'm not really invested how much they give back. Because I'm in the relationship because either I either enjoy it or I just love them. And they give back great. They don't give back also great. To be able to to move on from that is something that that I've that I've uh, both worked on. We've spoken about this. Really? Because I always felt like you never really expected much from Well, you expect consistency, right? You expect you don't expect like gifts or you know, but you expect consistency. To be able to show up friendship when the, when and you probably show up. love. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I didn't know it was a thing for you. Yeah. I learned something new about you today. <laughs> Not as good as your answer. <laughs> but but uh, before we end, I w- there's there's a letter that I don't think I've shared this with you. There's um, as many of, I think many of our listeners know. There's a, a famous uh, documentary on the Civil War by Ken Burns, and there's one letter there which I think but this is, is just beautiful. I just yawned. Yes, oh, yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Am I boring you? No. Um, Monica's yeah, she's not not sleeping enough in the past few days, but. Um, I just think it's so beautiful. Again, we're going to next week in America. We have Thanksgiving. I think even though this this is this speaks more to uh, relationships, I just think it's such a beautiful letter. Some things that which are obvious, but I just I just want to share it with our listeners. Those of those of you who've heard it before, I think I like I do. I often read it again and get inspired by it. Those of you who haven't, I really think you'll enjoy it, and hopefully it'll, it'll awaken uh, a sense of of not only love towards our families or certainly our significant others, but also some level of desiring to to make our relationships better. So so this letter was written by Sullivan Bellew, who uh, was a soldier. This letter was written on July 14th, 1861, and he actually died a week later. Wow. It's very interesting. But so that's um, sobering. Yeah. So he and, he and he wrote it to his his wife, and actually it was never delivered. He although there were letters he wrote after this that got delivered to his wife. This one wasn't. Wow. It was found by I think the governor of Rhode Island who went to pick up the bodies of those who were killed from Rhode Island. My dear Sarah, it's a little bit long, but I trust me. Uh, I think you really find it beautiful. Well, don't oversell it. Well, <laughs> it is what it is. My dear, my very dear Sarah. The indications are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow. Lest I should I should not be able to write again, I feel impelled to write a few lines that may fall under your eye when I shall be no more. 
I have no misgivings about or lack of confidence in the cause in which I am engaged, and my courage does not halt or falter. I know how strongly American civilization now leans on the triumph of the government, and how a great debt we owe to those who went before us through the blood and sufferings of the revolution. And I am willing, perfectly willing, to lay down all of my joys in this life, to help maintain this government and to pay that debt. Sarah, my love, my love for you is deathless. It seems to bind me with mighty cables that nothing but omnipotence could break. And yet my love of country comes over me like a strong wind and bears me unresistibly on with all these chains to the battlefield. The memories of the blissful moments I have spent with you come creeping over me, and I feel most gratified to God and to you that I have enjoyed them for so long. And hard it is for me to give them up and burn to ashes the hopes of future years when, God willing, we might still have lived and loved together and seen our sons grown up to honorable manhood around us. I have, I know, but a few and small claims upon divine providence, but something whispers to me, Perhaps it is the wafted prayer of my little Edgar that I shall return to my loved ones unharmed. If I do not, my dear Sarah, never forget how much I love you. And when my last breath escapes me on the battlefield, it will whisper your name. Forgive my many faults and the many pains I have caused you. How thoughtless and foolish I have oftentimes been. How gladly would I wash out with my tears every little spot upon your happiness. But, O oh Sarah, if the dead can come back to this earth and flit unseen around those they loved, I shall always be near you, in the gladdest days and in the darkest nights, always, always. And if there be a soft breeze upon your cheek, it shall be my breath. As the cool air fans your throbbing temple, it shall be my spirit passing by. Sarah, do not mourn me dead and think that I am gone. Wait for thee, for we shall meet again. Wow, that's so beautiful. It's crazy. It's like he knew he was going to go a week right, later. Right, and I think, and for me, there's so much in, in this letter, especially, again, those of us who are going to be with family, those of us who have any issues with family, I think hopefully this awakens that desire. Mm. Because I often think, you know, especially when you had the challenging relationship, challenging moments, you know, though, like you said before, if that person was no longer in your life, right? What What... What would you feel then? And try to live the current relationship with all the challenges that it has with that with that thought in mind. Mm. That was really sad, but beautiful. Yeah. Again, please keep sending in your questions, sending in your stories. Uh, make sure you're going to Apple Podcasts and anywhere you get, you get podcasts, write reviews, five stars, share it with your friends. Um, we are overwhelmed by all the people who are listening and watching. And uh, we hope you enjoy this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. Bye.